0: We have like two things written above one of the windows in our office. One says, remember how you got here. And one says, remember why you do this, because we don't want to get lost in that or take for granted the privilege we have to do something we love. And you're 100% right. That's probably the number one thing we hear from people is like, I would give anything to do what you do to get to talk about fantasy. I mean this is some a lot of people put full-time hours into fantasy just as a fan. So I think that we try our very best not to take that for granted and come with that renewed sense of gratitude every day. I think that goes a long way in in building a connection with people and building a brand is you have to be thankful. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine,
1: my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry and I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Andy Holloway is a co-host and co-founder of the Fantasy Footballers podcast. The podcast is the leader in the industry with a bigger audience than the fantasy shows from ESPN, CBS, the NFL, and Yahoo. The Ballers are regularly number one sports podcast leading into and during the NFL season with an audience numbering in the multi-millions. Being a podcast host and owning a podcast company, Amaze Media Labs, that creates podcasts for brands, I was super interested in finding out how Andy built a massive podcast audience, then turned it into a successful business. And of course, I could always use any fantasy tips for this upcoming season since I always seem to lose my league. As I said, as a podcast host and having launched a podcast company, I have an extra appreciation for growing an audience and building a business off of a podcast, especially to the size and scope of the fantasy footballers. I'm always curious how these businesses come about. How do they start? So, of course, I began by asking Andy how his whole thing began.
0: So it's, it's myself and I have two co-hosts and we both own the company. That's Jason Moore, Mike Wright, and myself. We worked together for a number of years in the gaming industry, specifically Facebook gaming, iOS, mobile development. Jason actually ran a company developing Facebook games and Mike and I worked for that company. And when I say worked, I mean worked slash played a lot of fantasy football and talked about it around the office. So this was always a passion of ours. This was always something that was water cooler talk or trades and all of that stuff that make, make fantasy football engaging and so for many years at that company, that's what we did. We talked a lot about a fantasy football. Mike and I started doing some writing, but really we didn't have aspirations to make a big national podcast. What we did is we actually spun up a small podcast specifically for our league where it was just Mike and I, once a week, hopping on the microphones, making fun of league mates, talking about trades, all the things we like about fantasy, just bringing them to light in that little itty-bitty podcast for 10 people. So we did that for a little while. And it was actually Jason who came along and said, you know, this is entertaining. Like you should make a podcast and face it outward. And and that's kind of how we got this whole thing started. Things began to transition with that company. I, I was there for eight years. So we kind of, the three of us, we're all dads. We all had kids. We were all in a career transition. We're like, let's jump full steam into this thing and give it a shot. And so that's what we did. How hard was
1: that for you guys at that time? You just mentioned you had kids. It's one thing starting a business, you know, you don't have a lot of responsibilities and, and family, but you know, not only a business, you guys really, I know it started as, as a podcast with podcasts. Don't make tons of money, especially at the beginning. So so how hard was that for you?
0: Yeah, it was challenging because like you said, not only, even if you could develop a podcast that's large enough to start making money off of, you run into problems with like getting paid, you know, six months later, or now we're in a seasonal sport, right? We're in football where like all your money is gonna be made during a part of the year, then you gotta wait for it. So I was talking to somebody about this the other day. There are people that want to have success and people that need to have success, And I felt like we were in that category at that part of our lives where we knew that it didn't have a chance if we didn't give it full-time commitment for a period of time. So we were very fortunate to have very supportive families. And and we were just at the right place at the right time to kind of go all in, despite all of those things that you're saying, the challenges that we had with, okay, we want to be able to provide for our families. Jason and I were going to get real estate licenses at the time, thinking we were going to You know, maybe we can supplement some income with with a podcast, but we sure as heck can't make enough for three people to have a living and those type of things. So, yeah, we just dove all in at that time, and and fortunately had a lot of support from those around us. What year was that? Uh, That's going going back to twenty fifteen, really. So we're about to enter our seventh full season, and we actually kind of got this thing kicked off at what would seem like is the least opportune time for a football podcast, which was February, right after. The Super Bowl ended, but that was kind of a part of the genesis of the idea. Was we're kind of too obsessed with fantasy. We love the community, we love the people, and we think there's a demand all year round. And so our thought process there was like, we think there's more of us, and they're going to find us now when no one else is recording. So that's what we did really early in in February, and um, we're able to kind of garner a, a lot of attention when no one else was recording. There's thousands and thousands of
1: podcasts. I mean, there's there's millions now. How did you guys gain traction?
0: Did it happen right away? Well, I will say we approached it as a business from day one. So a lot of people enter podcasting in the hobbyist space or, or with just the passion, but not the entrepreneurial side. And that's what our background was. So I think it was beneficial that we approached it from a standpoint of like, We're passionate about it, but we also know that it has to do X, Y, and Z for us to sustain a business. So, like you said, there are a lot of podcasts out there. This was a space that we thought we were getting, you know, seven years ago, we thought we were getting to very late in the game, but we started with that philosophy of every new listener matters and we were going to do everything we could do on every possible front whether that was developing our website and its presence the social media side of things connecting to the community connecting to the kind of business side of the industry all of those things we were going to pour every ounce of effort into and kind of let the chips fall right where you you put out a product you're proud of and If people want to listen, they listen. That's how we kind of approach it even now is there's a lot of options for people in the podcast space. And maybe we're not for everybody, but we want to be proud of the product we're producing and we think that'll attract listeners. So
1: I love how you said you started it looking at it as a business. Most people do not. They look at it as, well, they look at it, the way I'm going to make money is through advertising. But it sounds like you really had a game plan that was much more than selling a a CPM. What were some of those ideas and and things that you had?
0: Yeah, I mean, we had, like the challenge I mentioned before, we had the challenge of looking at seasonal problems (laughs) with the business. So we had to, in the beginning months, it was buying months of survivability. Sometimes that meant negotiating a year-round contract. For a massive discount, so you had the money up front at the time that you needed it. Another key aspect of our early business plan was building a community of people that were willing to pledge support to us month by month, not just buying a product in season, but we found resources like Patreon, where people were willing to kind of reward what you were offering them, which was to be that friend in their commute every day, to talk about the thing that they love. So those were kind of like linchpins on the early success of the company for us to be able to, okay, let's get to the next month and then let us get to the next month and and go from there until we could build something more sustainable. But products were a part of that too. Like we've always said that the advertising part of it, the the mid-roll ads, the pre-roll ads, the things you're talking about, that's a percentage of what we bring in. Products are another percentage. And then pledging and support for our free podcast was the other kind of key component.
1: Was there ever time early on in, in, let's say, the 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 first year where
0: you thought I might've made a mistake? Not really, to be honest with you. We had a pretty good gauge of what was happening. We might not have known exactly why it was happening at all times, but the growth was pretty tremendous, pretty fast. I mean, I remember sitting in real estate classes as I was moving in that direction and we're refreshing our phones going like, you know, the listens are up again and they're up again the next day. And All of a sudden, we might've been listening a lot less to those lessons and more just to the listeners. So it was something that once we saw the ball start to roll downhill, all three of us were leaning into it completely, right? It was going to be an extra two hours that night. And none of it seemed like a burden. It's funny looking back because now we have producers and we have staff and we have all of these pieces to help us logistically in planning. Back then, it was three of us in an upstairs bedroom. I mean, it was a renovated kid's bedroom. I kicked my son out to the other room. No one knew. People would email and ask us for tours of the, of the studio. And we'd be like, uh, yeah, okay. My daughter's room's over there and my son's room's over there. But we were just, I think, enthralled with the idea of being able to make something you love your everyday job. So it never felt like a burden to do all of the heavy lifting, to do the editing and do the video. And it was fun. It was fun to pour that time in. How amazing is that to know... I mean, there's millions—no pun in, you know, no no
1: joke—millions of people who would love to talk fantasy football all day and make a living off of it, and not only make a living but do extremely well and build an incredible business.
0: How does that feel? It's humbling. I mean, you're right. We are in a unique position, and and from you know going into year seven now, we have like two things written above one of the windows in our office one says remember how you got here and one says remember why you do this because we don't want to get lost in that or take for granted the privilege we have to do something we love and it, and you're 100% right that's probably the number one thing we hear from people is like i would give anything to do what you do to get to talk about fantasy i mean this is some a lot of people put full time hours into fantasy just as a fan So I think that we try our very best not to take that for granted and come with that renewed sense of gratitude every day. I think that goes a long way in, in building a connection with people and building a brand is you have to be thankful and you have to be just ready for that next challenge, knowing that you're in a unique position.
1: Yeah. That's when I get out of fantasy football. When, when my office mates were waking up at like two in the morning to do like wire, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to win this and this is <laughs> totally nuts. And it's just amazing how big, uh, you know, fantasy football has become. And do you think that's part of what your success is? It been the growth of fantasy football. Why were you seeing all those downloads
0: right off the bat? What do you think was, was happening? I certainly believe that we had un- unwittingly, kind of entered the space at the right at that starting point where both podcasting and fantasy football were seeing nuclear growth. And so exposure to podcasts, podcasting platforms were growing and then fantasy was becoming more and more accessible, I think in part to just like the past 10-15 years it's been everything from Sunday ticket to having the phone in your pocket with so much Access, you know, you could be at the store, you can be changing your lineup. It doesn't matter. Like those weren't things that existed in the early days of fantasy football, but I think they both contribute to, and even now our growth is just those two spaces are, are growing tremendously year over year. And we're trying to stay out out of, in front of them. Just personally, I've
1: been told in in having a, a company that actually creates podcasts for brands. My company, Amazed Media Labs, and hosting this podcast, How Success Happens. I've always been told, or we've learned that the way to grow a podcast is if you're a, a podcaster getting on other podcasts. But it really seems like you guys, I'm trying to get to like how it just took off. I know it was like the right timing and stuff. Sure. But like,
0: you still, like, what was there a secret sauce to this? Yeah. I mean, I think it is the sum of all parts in a way. I wish I could give you a specific. Yeah. Once we did this one thing or turn this one dial, but that's kind of not how it works. And it probably varies quite a bit from one industry to the other as well. You know, I, I have friends that have started podcasts in other spaces, uh, in gaming or in true crime areas. And I think it's a little bit different in each one of them. We have a very natural cycle where interest rises. And no matter what we do from a marketing standpoint, we're only going to see certain numbers in, in May. We're only going to see certain numbers in, in June, July, even from like Hall of Fame week to preseason week one, the general populace starts to turn their eyes back towards football because it starts making the news or what's on ESPN more often. I think we, like, we took that philosophy of every listener matters and we took our experience in the entrepreneur world. And you know, my experience was web design and development, web marketing, and i think we tried to apply lessons we learned in other industries to this specific niche in a way that other people hadn't done in our space and i think that maybe that's the biggest lesson is if you have a certain you know there may be other areas other topics in podcasting that those types of marketing philosophies haven't been applied you know for us at the end of the day if we don't have a good show it doesn't matter how much you market nobody's going to stick around you're just going to burn through them at the same time if you have the greatest show ever and no one listens to it, it doesn't matter either. So, you have to kind of put forth your best foot with the with the content itself and then try to turn every dial that you could. You know, we were it, it was everything. It was the web and SEO side, it was it was SEO on the podcasting side, it was trying to the newsletter and gathering information and talking to our community, trying to take uh possession of that relationship, right? Like in podcasting, you're so platform defen- dependent, right? Like if you were to lose a spot on on apple or get kicked off of spotify you might lose a big part of your audience and we've always been kind of uh, hyper aware of that so we've tried to take control of that relationship as much as we can in this space by building product and 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 having an independent brand and website so look i i shake my head sometimes at going like how you know how does this happen or what what did we do perfectly right i don't know i think a lot of it was just having the connection and having with one another and having a show that people enjoyed and telling their friends and the demand for that was very high because fantasy is so large. And and we've tried to stay in our lane and people have asked us to do so many different things from baseball, basketball, all these different college football. And we've never done it because we just, we still feel like there's headroom in this space. So why abandon that to just put a million things out there? Yeah, I think that's really smart,
1: just focusing on this. And and there is so much, probably even more growth as we've seen just in terms of football in general. You mentioned SEO and and search, and and you said you came from that background. I, I do know that that does play a big part, especially when you guys were probably starting even more so. Was that a
0: big boost for you as well, knowing that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that was crucial because because we had that philosophy of like, if we can get someone to listen, we think they're going to like it. We think they're going to stick around. And so it's a matter of just getting that first listen. And some of that was, you know, producing articles and doing everything that we could do, even down to like when we named ourselves, you know, that was a thought process that went into it. It was like, okay, we're doing a fantasy football show. What's a good name? Oh, the fantasy footballer seems like a good name for a football show. You know, it was like, but that wasn't just off the cuff because we liked it. It was like. We liked it and it had a purpose. And I think a lot of our decisions were that combination. It was like, this makes the most sense and it has a purpose. Like the 80-20 principle has been core to our business. We're not just gonna spin our wheels on something that brings us very little impact because you only got 40 hours, 50 hours in a week. We're gonna invest every moment into the things that have the biggest impact. So in the beginning, that might've been being crazy active on social media because every time we replied to a fantasy question, That was another person that might discover you every time we participated in a fantasy community that was another person and we believe that was going to compound so that choice of what to do has changed over the years as our show has grown but it's always been that highest impact choice has been the goal more from our guests but first a word from our sponsors
1: starting my new podcast business amaze media labs this year i've had two critical realizations about what's imperative in today's business world from when I started my last company back in 2012. More than ever, we live in a globalized world. It's important to recognize that all content today is global. The problem is nowadays, it's not always easy to access the content you want in other countries. The second realization is that in 2021, we all work from everywhere. So often I'm forced to connect with Wi-Fi at the airport or in a cafe. The problem is that these networks are never secure and riddled with hackers who steal data. I literally hold my breath each time that my data isn't being compromised. Well, I have amazing news for you because I found the Cyber Swiss Army Knife solution to both of these problems. It's called NordVPN. It's incredible. That allows me to access content from over 59 different countries by simply changing my virtual location with one click. Also, I was blown away that by using NordVPN on my phone, laptop, and iPad, it protects me from hackers and it gives me peace of mind while sending emails on the go from any unsecured network. I literally never knew this could exist. It's a total game changer for you and me. So, like me, go to NordVPN.com slash HSH. You get 73% off your two-year plan plus four bonus months for free. Be quick because this offer is for a limited time only. Literally, it's equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. That's a 30-day money-back guarantee if NordVPN is not for you. So there's no risk. I can't recommend NordVPN more. Go to nordvpn.com HSH to get going. And we're back. In terms of driving revenue today for the business, is most of it coming from advertising sponsorship? Have you guys delved into other areas to,
0: to build revenue? We've seen tremendous growth on that side of the business as, uh, again, podcasting grows. So it attracts more advertisers to the space. And I think we've been very successful for them. So that part has grown and compounded over the years. But our product, you know, our product sector of our business has grown a lot too. So we sell the ultimate draft kit, we've developed an app for it. And so that's something that's been, you know, going into year five now. That's a, foundational piece of our revenue as well. So, and we still have our community of listeners that pledge for perks and support on a monthly basis. So those are still three, the three pillars for the business. We've seen growth and change in all three of them, but they're still the three foundations for us. Yeah. For our listeners that don't know, I know you mentioned Patreon, that's really a service
1: where you can pledge dollars, right? Towards- Mm the show or, you know, whatever it might be, kind of pay monthly. What was the biggest? Did you have a,
0: a, a someone who really sent you a lot of money? Yeah, we've definitely had people that have supported at levels that made us shake our head over the years. But it's really been more of an accumulation of the people that just want to say, I think here, here's a good lesson that we learned early on and we were not expecting. We thought we would build out a community with perks and people would pledge monthly and they'd get like, we give them a bonus podcast. And we give them access to some premier forums and we give them a community and they get access to these, you know, what you would call premium tools. We thought that that would be the hook, right? But what we realized was like a large amount of these people wanted to just support us. And the idea of true patronage versus just exchanging dollars for a value was so, I think, eye-opening to us because people, we thought they'd all drop off when the season ended, right? So January, February, March hits, they're done with us. And instead, very few people canceled. Very few people stopped supporting because it was almost like it was more of the, I want to do this just because I've gotten this much enjoyment out of it over the year, not just what you give me. And so I think that's been instructive for us over the years too on how we build that community out is we're not just trying to sell you a product. We're actually trying to connect you together and with us. And connection seems way more powerful than... $5 Five dollars for a widget. That's something I think we've learned a lot over the years. What is
1: you know, nowadays with, with the business? I, I know I love the story of back in the room, your daughter's room. Yeah. Which which is great. Which funny enough, I'm actually uh taping this from my daughter's room. Uh we haven't we haven't quite turned it into a, a full studio. It used to be my there you studio. Go. And you would have seen all these footballs behind me which it used to be my, my <laughs> office, but now we have made it living in a small New York city apartment. We've made it into her bedroom. So funny enough, I am taping out of her bedroom, but to get back to that and what thinking back, it, it's so great to see where you guys have come, but what is your day-to-day like now in terms of the, the
0: business? Well, certainly, I would say that we go through a couple of significant cycles as a business because of the seasonal nature of it, right? So we do five shows a week from August through December. And so, and that's five shows, morning shows. We also end up doing bonus show for the Foot Clan, which is the the name of our community. We end up doing, uh, last couple of years, we've done SiriusXM. So we're doing a lot of shows from August to December. From January through July, it's two shows a week. And we're really in a dev cycle. So we're building out product, we're planning, we're strategic, that's our kind of, and we're breathing again after an intense fantasy football season. Yeah, so so during the football season, we're, we're coming in bright and early, you know, West Coast wise, unfortunate that we can't get that out to the East Coasters early enough, but we've all got to bring kids to school and we can't get up that early. So we roll in and we'll, we'll do the show at about eight o'clock in the morning and it goes up right after we're done with it. And at that point in time, it's just kind of pacing with the NFL schedule in the week. We are invested into building out our rankings and looking to the upcoming matchups and producing those for our site as a product. So a lot of research and thought goes into those. And um, you know, maybe we're gathering together as a team with our developers and with our producers to plan. And uh, you know, sometimes it's guest pods and those type of things. Um, but during the off season, it's much more product oriented. Uh, maybe we do some travel last couple of years before COVID, we had done some some live tours. So we we had our chance to go around New York, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco and do live events with fans, which was just, we know the numbers for the show, but somehow being in a room with 300, 400 people, it just blows your mind to see passion behind this silly fantasy football game. So that's been a big part of the off season as well. But it, it's nice, in my opinion, to have kind of the on and off season to do some of the different things that I like about entrepreneurship and having my own business. Yeah. Let me ask you about
1: being an entrepreneur and, and, you know, especially being an entrepreneur in in something you you obviously have a, a huge passion for. How, in terms of maybe lessons you've learned from going from working corporate, it sounds like, you know, when you were working for someone else, what have been the biggest pros, biggest cons, let's say, of changing... Into yeah. an entrepreneur, let's say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I am very Type A, and uh, I think that that's one of the things that Type A is like about entrepreneurship is control. Right? You have control over your brand or your product, and you have the day to day and the connection between what you do and what you make, and all of those aspects. I think what I've one of the the lessons I've learned over the years is that we're better off when I learn how to delegate and I learn how to trust expertise. And that's been an ongoing lesson over the years too, because again, you only have so many hours in the week to do things. And I've learned through whether it was the production side, whether it was things like lighting for the studio. I mean, we bootstrapped and did everything in the beginning. And we had such a... Our arms around it so tightly, like we wanted to protect this brand. And so letting go of some of those aspects to be and remained vision for the company has been something that we've had to learn over the years. Myself, I think most of all, just because I'm most that way as one of the owners. So learning to trust and learning how to hire good people. I mean, our company, like we get credit because we're on the camera, but really we have success because of the people behind the camera, everything from our management to our agent, to production, to staff of writers and editorial, like These people and that we've managed to stumble into getting connected with have meant so much to what we do and representing our brand the right way. And I think that that's been one of the things that has expounded or helped us grow a lot is just finding the right human beings to be in an office with and get along with. And I've been a part of the other side of that. You know, you alluded to the older company that wasn't necessarily corporate, but it was small business, 30, 35 people where conflict, man, it it breaks it down. Uh, if you're not all running the same direction, it's hard. So I've been really thankful for the people we've we've managed to find. Yeah. How have you been able to build
1: culture within the company and and especially over the past two years with COVID?
0: Has that been difficult for you? Yeah. I mean, COVID was a tremendous challenge. Uh, we were very fortunate the luck of the football season being kind of a ways away when everything hit the wall. I mean, we have good friends in different industries like college basketball and March Madness, or even the baseball space that lost jobs or lost a year of revenue. We were not in that boat, albeit we were planning for it because you never knew what was going to happen. But luckily, you know, the way that we spent a lot of time recording from home, it's not the way we want to do business. We've always been a really like even the people we've hired, it's been like, come and work in the office because we want collaboration. We want creativity. But it was a challenging year for everybody to do that. And I think culture comes from consistency and intentionality on a regular basis. And I don't put those things up above the window because I want to look, you know, like pretend that that's our culture. It's so that I don't forget it. It's because when you go day to day, if I don't remember what we want to be... You're going to get dragged into a million different directions and it's almost unstoppable. Like that's been a tremendous challenge over the years because you get swept up in, in whether it's success, you know, success or or these things. And we've always defined or wanted to define success by the culture we have. Like, are we proud of what we're producing as a company? And that's good enough. Like it's not just the dollars and cents that's a part of it because it's necessary and important. And it's part of the entrepreneurial journey. You want to be having financial success. It's just, we've never made that everything and can be tempting to do, but we've tried our best not to make that everything. And I think that that's had a big influence on culture because people can tell leadership may think they can fool employees or staff, but you can tell what is important to leaders, I think. And so if we lose our way there, we have enough people that are like, Hey, you know, let's reel it back. But I hope that that's been evident that we care about the people in that room more than we do the dollars and cents.
1: No, I, I agree. From being an entrepreneur myself and building businesses, most importantly, like you said, it's a reminder for yourself and those actions and how people see you. That's most important. And I asked that question. You know, we just launched a business in, in COVID, and it's really interesting now because you have people all over the country, right, and like. We're doing Zooms and I'm always yeah. like, how do you build culture like that? But like, like you said, I, I love the fact, you know, about consistency, being consistent and that could build, that could start what could be really what, what your culture is. And I, I, I love, you know, like the fact you guys are focused on that. Most importantly, the other stuff comes, right? The money right. And, and everything else. And, and it seems like it's pretty evident from what you guys have built.
0: Yeah. And it's not necessarily the way that everybody approaches a business and that's fine. You can do you, but we really, really wanted to start something that we were really proud of. Like I said, like the dad vibe of our show is like intentional. Like we, we joked that we're the Disney of fantasy football podcast because like we're, we're very intentionally family friendly, which is something that I think kind of rarely gets brought up in the success story because it doesn't seem connected, but I really think it might be because you listen to podcasts in the car and your kids are in the car when you're taking them to school. And like, there's all these little aspects where, you know, people feel safe to turn the show on. We like the fact that some of what we've done on the show is hopefully renewed the kind of stereotypical basement culture of sports, right? Like that it's, Oh, you know, it's not a family affair. It's, it's the dad in the, in the basement. We believe it's more than that. Like it can be a really great connection point for families and for human beings and people. So I think that that, probably connected with people in a way that we didn't even think it, it would. And and that just came out of us being all three dads of three kids and 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 kind of having that in our DNA. We made what we thought we would enjoy and and that transcended a little bit. But yeah, I mean culture, culture is important because you are walking into the office every day. It's like <laughs> you're gonna spend 10, 20 years of your life doing something. So I think we've had time to probably sacrifice some of the dollars and cents or pragmatic, you know, monetary gain to to salvage and protect that brand. But I've been a part of entrepreneurial journeys before where people have told me like, I'm not partnering with you because you will not take venture capital and personally insure your debt. Because I'm just like, this is the only way you build a business. I was told that before. Like, this is the only way you can build a successful business. And I was like, agree to disagree. I'm going to go another direction because I didn't want to go up, bring along what comes with that. So every business is different, but this is our journey. Yeah. It's amazing interviewing
1: so many folks and As I said, being an entrepreneur, how people are like, you know, raising venture capital or you forget what comes along with that. And and I I think it's really important when you said that. And it's really insightful that life is short, right? What's my day to day? Am I going to enjoy it? And when you have some of those things, you know, there are people you have to talk to or you don't want to talk to and you bring in the right partners it could be devastating. It sounds like you guys have have been able to really
0: stay true to your values. Well, we certainly have tried. Like I said, it's a challenge. I'm not speaking from a high horse or somebody that you know accomplished something supremely virtuous. You know, it's like is a constant drawback, or as in, you have to pull yourself back to that place all the time um, when you're making decisions. But if you start all your decisions with that conversation at least you have a shot. That's kind of what I would say is at least if you're coming from there as your base, then you've got a chance at doing it the right way or the way that you set out to do it. So I'm thankful for that. I really am. Where do you see the
1: business going over the next few years? What's what's your ambition for it?
0: Well, I think, I like I said, I think that there's a lot of headroom in the fantasy space still. So until we brush up against that ceiling, I think we're not going to be too worried about diverting our attention, you know, especially with us, three being the host and the brand, and like not bringing too much to the table where all of a sudden we're not enjoying what we do every day, or we're not bringing energy. I think there there are interesting things in the fantasy football space that are happening. I'm sure we'll expand product quite a bit over the next few years, especially in the apps and and mobile space. I'm curious to see what happens in the sports betting world, because we're out in Arizona, and it's never been legal out here, and this year. Governor Ducey and company got it legalized in September. We'll have sports betting in Arizona. I believe Arizona's the Cardinals are the first stadium now that are going to have a sports book inside the stadium. So that's not been an area that we've touched outside of like advertising. You know, we'll, we'll advertise the DraftKings FanDuel, that community, but we haven't really done content in that space before. So that's a possibility, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. We, like I said, we're going to do our best to stay in our lane and keep bringing the best possible show to market and um see when the train stops, I guess, before we try to pivot. Yeah,
1: I don't think the train's gonna be stopping too soon on 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 fantasy football. When I love seeing, you know, friends of mine and they're they're in leagues with their kids and they're, yeah. you know, the they're it's strong. It's only going to grow. And like you said, sports betting is more states become legal, like Arizona now and there's a few others on the line you know it, yeah. it there's just tons of dollars being put into games and betting so i think you guys are on an incredible track what you've built is is truly amazing you, you know i got to i got to ask you a couple quick questions on on fantasy football i got to get you know i got to get my tips i'm a horrible fantasy football player as <laughs> as I, I i told you my my problem is i in the end- draft
0: kit I you know what I think I'm gonna have to I will help you to, out. I'll hook you up. All
1: right. I need a hookup because like, you know, I just I got get, you. Okay. I just get made fun of. And um, especially by my <laughs> my employees who are all like 25 or 30, you know, and and they're waking up as as you know yeah. at two in the morning to to get on the waiver wire. But I, I'm coming to you, Andy. But um there you go. It's interesting. I I've I've over the years have always tended to um pick New York Jets uh, because I am a diehard season ticket holder fan. And that now has I been, know why,
0: now I know why your seasons haven't gone. So well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I've stayed away uh, from all the Patriots too, which, uh, that, that really hasn't helped. But you're a, you're a, a Cardinals fan. So how, how do you separate if you're a, how do you do this? This is my question. Sure. If you're a huge fan of a team, right? But you also play fantasy football and they, both mean a ton to you. Which side, how do you How do you play that?
0: Yeah, I think the first couple of years was actually pretty difficult. At that time, I was a Cardinal season ticket holder and the idea of being at a game and watching Marshawn Lynch on my team defeat my team, that seemed like a lose-lose to me. I think over the years, though, with just like the proliferation of fantasy and the fact that you, like, fantasy builds fans of players across the league and they make ridiculously Boring games for Monday night football, the most exciting time you could ever have just because one or two players from your league have are in that game and then something's on the line. So I think I've reached the point where it's kind of transcended and I'm able to separate a little bit. One thing we do at the studios, we try to keep our league countdown so that we don't have every player from every team because. If we did, all of a sudden, you're not really rooting for anybody. And that's the essence of what makes fantasy great. So I think I've come to the point where I can appreciate both sides of it. And, but it's hard. Like I, I, I have a friend who's a dolphin fan and he will not draft a player from the, the NFC East whatsoever, other than a dolphin, because he can't fathom rooting for them. And that's hard. I get it. I mean, at the end of the day, this is for fun. So if you can't enjoy it, you should probably just stay away from those guys because that's too, too painful.
1: Yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's fun. You know, I do notice most of the younger generation, though, they're definitely have become much more uh, player focused. And that's why walking around New York City, I mean, I see jerseys from every sure. team, everything. It could also be the fact that the Giants and Jets have completely sucked for about, you know, 15 <laughs> years, actually going back to 2010. But in any case, it's uh, been a at,
0: rough road out there. Yeah, yeah, at
1: least for the Jets, uh, the Giants, They they tend to make a Super Bowl and win it which is great. But in any case, it it is good to see a lot of, you know, the younger generation really focus and not just in football. You see it in basketball and other sports. I think that bodes really well for your business. And I want to ask you one last question. The time we have, if you have to give me, I don't know if you can do this people, you know, they have to pay for it or or give me one dark horse, like player that you've got your eyes on right now that, you know, is going to I I need someone that I'm going to go into that draft and be like, wow. Sneak
0: a value late in the draft. Yeah, exactly. Give me one. Yeah, no, I've got, I can give you a couple dark horse names. There there are a couple every year we do a show where we each kind of pick our, my guys is what we call it. And they're players that you're kind of planting the flag on and saying like against all odds against consensus. I think this player is going to have a much better year than we expect. I've got two wide receivers that are essentially free in drafts that I'll give you. One of them, I promise this isn't hometown bias. One of them is actually AJ Green in Arizona, which if you pull the fantasy community, I think about 1% of people believe what I'm saying. And the rest of them are just burnt and sad over the years. But the essence of AJ Green is you are in probably a top three offense in football and you're an every down starter opposite of DeAndre Hopkins, something that's never happened before. Look great in camp. Look, injuries, if they come, I'm going to look like an idiot. And they come often for A.J. Green. But the other name I'll bring up is Darnell Mooney. He's a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. Everyone pays attention to Allen Robinson over there. they have got two new quarterbacks, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And I think what I saw in film from Mooney in year one was a player that his quarterbacks missed him a ton. And he was really wide open as a rookie. And so that could kind of push that draft value to where no one even pays attention to him but I think it could be a breakout year for him, whether even with Dalton coming in there. So those are a couple of wide receivers I'd look for. All right. You
1: heard it here. Andy, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, talking business, not necessarily, Absolutely. just not just necessarily fantasy football. It's fun. I think it's, yeah, hopefully it's a little different for you, but it is really amazing what, what you and your partners have built and obviously being in the podcasting space. It's just amazing what's happening right now within podcasting and I wish you uh, much continued success. I don't think you need it, but uh, I, appreciate I definitely it. will be listening. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T, T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine, No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.